by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. How's everybody? Thank y'all for worshiping with us today. Did anybody get your joy on? Did your joy meter go from here to here? That's what it ought to do at church. And we're building the house of the Lord here, just like they were in David's day. You say, well, we don't have tons of gold and silver or whatever. You know, but we got our two mites. We got our two mites. And if you're faithful with a little, God will make you ruler over much. And we got this banner up here that says that we're going into all the world and making disciples. We're going to plant churches all over the world. It's going to take some tons to do that. But it starts with the two mites. Really what it starts with is your heart. And it's not just about the finances. Finances is just one part of it. It's about your heart to build God's kingdom on the earth. Is your heart turned towards the Lord to do that? Then you're in the right place today. You're doing the right thing, and God's going to speak to those who will open up their ears to hear what his spirit would say today about this and about what we're trying to accomplish down here and about our part in it. You know, you play a part. You're a living stone in the house of God. And you say, well, I'm just, my part don't matter. Yes, it does. I mean, there's scripture after scripture talks about how we all are placed into the body and that we all have a job to do, so... You're in the right place, and you're doing the right thing. Just keep it up and be encouraged. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to encourage one another. I tell you what, I was sitting here just this week. I don't know why. I, am, am I human? Yes. And I sat here, and I was just like thinking about all the negative stuff. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Why are we still, you know, why, why don't this happen? Lord, what? <clears throat> and the Lord began to share this message with me of what I was going to preach this week and it was not only to encourage me but it's to encourage you stay strong stay strong we're on the right path let's turn to second corinthians chapter 12 and as you're turning there i'm going to pray father i pray that we do have ears to hear that you would give me a mouth to speak it would be from your throne room what will be said today no wasted words no wasted time straight to the heart penetrate Penetrate. Everybody say, penetrate my heart, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 2 Corinthians. For those of you who are not used to your Bible, it's right behind 1 Corinthians. (coughs) Huh? You've heard that before? Never heard that before? Well, you'll catch on. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Y'all excuse me if I'm having a good time today because we're a fun church and we're supposed to have a good time at church. Loosen up a little bit. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, now this you got to understand, the apostle, this is Apostle Paul speaking, and he had been like me. He'd been getting upset about some things going on in his life. God, why is this happening? 
Man, it, God, if this is a thorn in my flesh, it seems like I can't get to the next level, God. I got these, these obstacles in my life. He called them thorns in his flesh. He said, I went to you three times about these thorns in my flesh. Now, people have guessed what those thorns might be. They said he had a bad eyesight. He himself said he was not a good speaker. You know, he, he would, maybe he was saying, help me be a better messenger. I often pray that. Lord, help me be a better messenger because they don't seem to be getting it sometimes, you know. Help me to be better. Help me to take away these obstacles that keep this church from moving forward. And in this scripture, he said after he asked us, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. <laughs> well, y'all are in good, y'all in the right place because y'all got a weak pastor. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. It's a different way of seeing things. I was thinking, man, I've been thinking hard this week about some things. This ain't even in my notes. I don't know why I'm going here. Help me, Angie. Stop me. Do, do something. I forgot what I was going to say, so that's probably good. The Lord helped me before I said some things. But uh, I was going to say, I'm not here to entertain. I'm not here to, to, to uh, perform. I am your pastor. I am here to get the word of God in you. And today the word is to encourage you. So I'm going to do my best to encourage you. And so if I don't say everything just right, if I don't do everything just right, if I appear nervous, if I stutter over my words, if that's okay. God's power is shown best in my weakness. If I will stop trying to be something I'm not, and just enjoy the journey and enjoy the fact that it's not me, but it's Christ in me that you need, then I will be more relaxed. And maybe you will be more relaxed. <laughs> Y'all remember when uh, the priest Samuel went to Bethlehem? It was a big deal. He was the head priest in all of Israel, and he went to a little old town called Bethlehem. And the, the people in Bethlehem were like, what? What's he doing here? Did we do something wrong? They were scared, you know. <laughs> Is he going to get us? And he said, no, no, I'm just here to, you know, perform a sacrifice to the Lord. But he had a, another motive. God had told him to go to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons to be the next king. Well, I imagine David standing off in the, in the field, you know, watching his sheep. He hears that Saul, uh, Saul, Samuel, thank you. <laughs> Sam, I, I got a lot of stories to tell today. He's, he hears that Samuel has come. And he's all excited. And he, he's really excited when he sees Samuel leave with his dad, Jesse, and they're going to his house. And he's like, man, I would really like to go in there, but, you know, I'm just a little boy. I know the, he sees his big brothers go in. Yeah, they're all adults, you know, but I'm just a kid. He, he wanted to be in there, I'm sure, but he kind of he didn't expect to be because of his stature. Plus, he had the job of keeping the sheep, right? Well, the, the priest Samuel goes in there. He looks at the first son. Oh, this is obviously the fellow. You know the story. You've heard it a thousand times. I've preached it, 984 of them. 
And he's like, no, this ain't the guy. This ain't the guy. The next brother, they all go through. He said, where's the, you got any more sons? They finally call David. But in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, after the first brother, he said, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad that God doesn't judge me according to my ability, but my availability. Am I willing to let his ability be used through me? That's the way God does it. And you know what? It says God works best in our weaknesses. That way his power is shown and not ours. He, he's not going to share his glory. So the quicker that we can understand that, hey, I'm not all that, but I, I can let God be all that through me. I can relax and I can see great things done for the kingdom of God. Because you know what? Today's message is entitled, God Loves Underdogs. Say, God loves underdogs. Look at your neighbor and say, good thing for you. <laughs> so why did God pick little David? He was just a little boy. Because he was out there faithfully watching the sheep. Once again, you're faithful with the little things. God will make you ruler over much. The big boys probably thought, yeah, I'm going to be him for sure, you know. I don't do those little things no more. But David was just faithful where he was planted. And you know, another thing David was out there, he was building a real relationship with the Lord, which will become evident as the story goes along. He was doing right things. Look at your neighbor and say, do right things. Get your heart in position. <laughs> so it wasn't long after that that uh, the big brothers go off to war. They're fighting the Philistines. And Jesse, David's dad, says, J uh, David, I want you to carry some food to your brothers. So he loaded him up with some loaves of bread and some cheese and stuff and hit out. So David does. But before he does, you know what he, <laughs> the Bible makes mention? That he made sure somebody was taking care of the sheep. So he didn't just leave the sheep and said, I got a better job now. He didn't just leave those behind as, he, as God, he climbed God's ladder. And so he went and he brought the cheese and the bread and he said, what's going on here, guys? And about that time, big old Goliath comes out and he goes down in the valley and says, send somebody to fight me. If you can beat me, we'll bow down and serve you. But if you can't, y'all are going to bow down and serve me. And this guy's nine and a half foot tall. He's got on hundreds of pounds of armor, and he's got an armor bearer, and he's got, a, he's got a, a spear as big as a weaver's beam. I don't even know what a weaver's beam is, but it sounds big. And it's heavy, and it's made out of brass, and this guy's, you know, he's, they said that these uh, giants of that day often had six fingers on each hand. I mean, they, they were just too big for their own hands, you know. And so he was intimidating the whole army of Israel. And, and little David, little boy, got there, and he's expecting his big brothers to go out and take care of this guy. He's not going to talk about our God like that. But nobody said anything. And David's over said, what, why ain't y'all going? And, and his big brother says, 
you just shut up, little boy. You're just trying to be something. You ain't nobody. Y'all ever had anybody try to tell you that to just be quiet? You don't know what you're talking about. You ain't got no right to say nothing about nothing. You know who you are. Trying to keep you in your place, right? But he said, if nobody else will fight him, I will. So he went to King Saul, who was also hiding out from this big giant. And he said, let me go fight this Philistine. And right, right away, Saul says, you're not able to fight him. You're just a little boy. This is a man of war. He's been fighting his whole life. You, you ain't got a chance. You're not able. But David sa said, well, King, uh, I may not be able, but, you know, when, they, when somebody, a bear came and tried to get one of my sheep and a lion came, I'd chase them down and beat them to death, get my sheep back, snatch it out of their mouth. And if they tried to get me, I'd take them by the jaw. God gave me strength to win against the bear and the lion. He'll give me the strength to defeat this ungodly Philistine. And Saul said, fine, go, here, take my armor. He said, oh, he tried it on and says, that's not how I fight. You know, I'm not coming in my own strength. I'm not trying to beef me up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Often when we say, I got to do big things for God, well, I got to get more education. I got to get, get a better understanding. We got all these excuses why we don't get into the battle. We got to get ready first. But David said, God's always ready. God's always with me. And so he snatched him up five stones out of the little brook and put them in his pocket, put one of them in the sling and went out there. He said, let's get it on. And Goliath was like, <laughs> He was laughing. What am I, a dog? You come at me with sticks and stones and a little boy? He said, I'm going to kill all of you guys and leave your bodies out here for the birds to eat. And David just kept on walking toward him. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? What you do? He said, my God's going to cut your head off today and feed your your men's bodies to the birds of the air and he ran at him and he whoop, let go smacked him right in the forehead just like that knocked him out smooth out and can you imagine the silence that must have came over the whole valley two armies watching this thing i mean even david's own men were like what what just happened we didn't expect that. Nobody expected that. Just like nobody expects us to go into all the world. Just like nobody does. Nobody expects us to do that. But knocked him smooth out. And he went over and took his own sword and chopped his head off with it. And he carried his head around for days after that. And then, then all of a sudden, the men of Israel said, let's get them. <laughs> and they took off running, and they got into battle and started just whooping the devil's men. Just tore them up. Is there somebody in here that would believe that God can do big things in little people? Is there somebody in here that believes that God can do something with an underdog? <laughs> Many years later, David's a grown man. He's got his own band of misfits. <laughs> and he's still not king, but he's still being faithful with where he's at. And they go off to war and they come back and some other 
nation, the Midianites, have come and, and taken away captive all his people. You know this story very well, too. Took his women and children and all their stuff. And all the men are, whoa, David, why'd you lead us out to battle? And you left our rear door open. And they're blaming David. And there's such anguish because they felt like they had lost everything. Do you feel like maybe you've lost so much because you served the Lord, but man, we're never going to get anywhere. It seems like, the, you know, as soon as a visitor comes in the front door, three people go out the back door. We're never going to grow. And so they're blaming David. They're just angry. And, uh, I don't know. Let's just stone David. It says David stirred himself up in the Lord. And that's what I'm here today to, to do, is to stir you back up in the Lord. Because David went from being stoned to being enthroned. In a matter of days, it was God was looking at the heart. God was preparing the heart. And that's what he's doing to this church. That's what he's doing in your personal life. He is preparing you for greatness. And sometimes it means you got to walk through the valley. you got to walk through the dry and weary places. And you got to learn to trust God on the journey. Even when you can't see it and everybody's mocking you and people saying you can't do it, you got to believe. You got to know who you and whom you trust and who your God is. You got to know. And you're not going to know if you're not faithful with the little things. If you weren't faithful to take care of the little sheep, you'd have never gotten a position to take care of a nation. And if we're not faithful to build this church, how are we going to be faithful to plant churches all over the world? If we lose sight of what we're doing here, oh, well, I bring visitors and they don't stay. I've tried all that. I quit. No, we can't quit. We can't quit. Joseph didn't quit. When they threw him in the pit, he didn't quit. When they threw him in the jail, he didn't quit. Sometimes, your darkest hours, the tough stuff you're going through, and sometimes it seems like it takes a long, I mean years and years. I've been back here in this building for 20-something years, and I'm tired of it. But I ain't quitting. It's part of the journey. It's working things out in me. It's making me dig in deeper, thank you. I'm digging in deeper. I'm stirring myself up in the Lord. We will accomplish this because it ain't us, it's God in us. And God is trying to get us out of us so that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. But I'm trying to get you to see today, one of the main points the Lord wants you to see today is if you're not faithful with the little, you'll never be ruler of much. You won't tithe to this church. You won't do nothing if you win the lottery. If you don't bring people to this church, then nobody will bring people. Then we'll never plant churches anywhere else. This is the seed. And everything that we need is in the seed. But every living stone has to rise up. Every living stone here needs to, to, to get up, stir up. Play your part. We'll pull together. You look at look at these banners. 
Man, it's easy to get distracted. But five out of these six banners, man, we're knocking it out of the park. This is the vision. Are we warm, fun-loving? Do we, we welcome everybody? Yes, we do. We have our culture right. We know who we are. Are we developing Jesus' heart in you? We're coming to learn that we may go and teach, making disciples? Absolutely. Because I see the work back there in the, in the knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. People are going around the wheel. They're being changed. I can look at any one of your faces and see that I remember back when you was in this stage, and now you're going to this stage, and now you're moving on up. I see the change in you. Are we genuine, passionate, and relevant? Well, I'm passionate today, ain't I? Am I preaching the Word of God? Well, then I'm genuine to the Word of God. Am I putting it in a way that you can understand it? Then I'm being relevant. Then you're doing the same thing in your life. You're not being plastic, phony Christians to your workmates. You're being real with them. You're loving them, really. And people are seeing the difference. So, yes, well, we're knocking that banner out of the park. Do we love God, His people, His purposes? That's our why. That's why we do what we do. And I'm here to stir you up. I'm here to pump you up. <laughs> Remember your why. Man, I got people, I hear stories, people serve in a department for a little while, and they say, well, I'm, I'm kind of tired of working in this department. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not doing it anymore. Well, why are you quitting? Well, I just don't, I don't, I work too hard. I work, work. And, and they look at serving in the church as work. That's not right. You, you, you don't understand why you're serving in the church. You're serving the Lord. You're serving the Lord. You're not working in the church. You get to serve in the church. We got to get our why in order. We got to remember why we do what we do. And so then we get to where we're going. But where you're going is the, is the, is the part of the journey. And sometimes the journey is long. And to get to a big journey, it could take a long time. Planting churches. So we hadn't got there yet. Although we're doing great in missions work. <laughs> over in Africa, over in India, over in Pakistan, they are planting churches and we're part of what they're doing. We're supporting them. We have churches in other places around the world called Passion Teaching Centers and so forth where we're raising up pastors. We are, as a Passion Church, we are starting to plan around the world. But I'm talking, that, that vision is bigger than that. That vision is, is a Passion Church in every city in America, kind of. And then France and Germany and all, all over the world, you understand. Not to say that the Passion Church is anything, but it's because the people need to know the real Jesus. You see, the place to find the real Jesus. Do you, believe, do you believe in the mission? Do you believe in the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples? That's what we're here to do, baby. That's it. We're going into all the world and make disciples. All right, Donna. Done preached myself happy. Don't despise the challenges in your life. They're here to help you rely on the Lord. When you're going through something deep, 
and it draws you, you have to go to Jesus. I don't know what to do. I don't have anything. There's nothing I can do. You have to go to the Lord. When God brings you to that place, don't despair, delight. Because it is there that you need to be anyway. Perhaps if the Israelites had come to God in the good times when they had entered the promised land, they wouldn't always need somebody to deliver them. But they forgot God in the good times. If we could be a church that learns to, to serve God in the good times, then we wouldn't always have to go through so many valleys. That's just for free. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of this world. And things which are despised, God has chosen. And things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God uses foolish things. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you foolish thing, you. Now, I know some of y'all are getting upset. You're saying, but I'm good looking. And I got a lot of money, and I'm, I'm wealthy, and I'm smart, man. I got education. I got my act together. I guess I can't be used by the Lord. No, no, that's not true. God can use you too. But you might have to grow a little humility first. That's what he's looking for, pure hearts. It, it, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart, and we all, we all have a heart. Anybody doesn't have a heart? We all have a heart. We all qualify. If we get our heart right, God can use you. Man, God wants to use you. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to use you. See, there's a difference in humility and low self-worth. Let me say that again because some of y'all are still smiling from what I said earlier. There's a difference in humility, a proper understanding of who you are, and low self-worth. Woe is me. Woe is me is not real humility. Meekness is power, strength under control. You understand that, man, me and God can change the world, but God gets the credit. There's a difference in humility and self-doubt and self-loathing and all that stuff. Let's turn to Judges chapter 6, verse 12. Mm -mm. Going the wrong way. You know, I may be going the wrong way. It may be taking me a long time to get there, but at least I got a Bible. Judges 6, verse 12. This is the story. It's those same Midianites. The Midianites are just torturing God's people, the Israelites. They're stealing all their crops and burning their stuff down, killing them, raping their women, hauling off their children every time they come through town. It's because God's people are not walking in the power. They're not being obedient to God, and God is taking his hand of protection off of them. Anyway, in verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Now, now Gideon's in a, 
a wine press, threshing wheat. He's hiding. He's trying to get him some food before the Midianites come and find out about it and take his wheat from him. So he's hiding to do it. He's down in a wine press, not a place to thresh wheat, but that's where he's hiding. And, and he's down there trying to just get enough food for his family. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I think in one translation it says, You mighty man of valor. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You ever say that? Well, if God is with us, why are we still back here? If God is with us, then why did COVID happen? If God is with us, why did I, you know, I lose all my money? If God is with us, why did I lose my job? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Why is God not delivering us? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weak. Here we go. Here we go. Is that your first response? It's often mine. But God, you ain't been doing nothing. You ain't helped us. Look at what's going on. You, you're obviously not with us. Well, then God said, I'm here now. And I'm sending you. He says, but, oh, well, but you, don't, you don't know who I am. I'm, I'm the, the weakest in the whole tribe. Of, I, 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 let me see where I'm, I lost my place. He, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Woe is me. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. That's all you need to know. That is all we need to know. We need to stop making excuses, thinking about the past. If God says, I will be with you, he will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man, they won't be nothing. Because you and God are a majority. If God is with you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, you win, period, end of story. Thank the Lord. If we could get a hold of that, we could leave today happy, we could leave today victorious, that if God is for you, who can be against you? We ought to stop looking at what we don't have and start looking at all the lives that's been changed through this ministry. They come and they go, but they, they were here for a while and they got blessed by the Lord. And look at what's been done in your life. Yes, it's been tough. Yes, it's been a, a valley. Yes, it's been dark at times. But it was all growing a bigger you on the inside to getting you ready for the journey ahead. Getting you ready to be a part of something bigger than yourself probably trying to work all that self out of you. What do we talk about today in the worship? You've got to trade it in. You've you got to trade your sorrows if you want some joy. You've got to trade some self if you want some God. Wow, let me say that again. You want some God results in your life? You've got to trade some self. You want some more of your calling in your life? You better trade some of your comfort. 
Your actions will reveal what's really in your heart, and your heart determines the course of your life. God said, I can whoop these fellas like I'm just fighting against one man. And I can even use you to do it down here in the wine press threshing wheat. So maybe you came in today thinking, whoa, it's little old me. We all get like that sometimes. We just think, man, I can't do nothing. I, just, I ain't done nothing yet, whatever. I guess that's the way Moses must have been feeling. Because he's on the backside of the wilderness tending a little flock of sheep at 80 years old. Oh, he tried when he was a young man. He tried to make it happen. He tried to help his brothers in Israel. He, he turned uh, from being an Egyptian to trying to help the Israelites. And what did he get for his trouble? Now he's a murderer. Now he's having to hide out in the wilderness somewhere. His life is over. Nothing. I got nothing to offer. God says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. All that was just part of the journey. All that was just part of the ride. And he shows up in a burning bush. and says, Moses, you're the one I'm sending to Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses said, well, no, God. <laughs> no, I'm not strong like Gideon. No, not me. I mean, I, I, I stutter. I can't say, I, I can't even talk good. You know, I got a record. <laughs> if I go back, they're going to throw me in jail. You know, Pharaoh's my granddaddy, right? You know that. <laughs> I'm in trouble in Egypt. He's making excuse. Well, God, he's so loving. He says, well, it's all right, Moses. We'll get somebody else. I know you ain't got time to serve. I know you, I know you got a, a rough situation. I know you only have 18 hours a day where everybody else has 24. I know, I know your schedule's different. That's all right, Moses. We don't, we, we don't expect anything out of you. We know you had a tough life. We'll just, we'll just let you coast, Moses. We'll get somebody else to do it. And so the whole church in America is sitting around waiting on somebody else to do it. No, God got mad. The more excuses that Moses made, the matter God got. He said, Moses, I said I will be with you. What else do you need to hear? Wow. Moses, in the last 40 years of his life, Unbelievable. What is the latter half of your life going to look like? What could it look like? We're already sitting out here in the wilderness thinking it's, it's, it's retirement time. God can't use me. I tried that. I served in the church I used to go to. Nothing ever happened. The devil loves to feed our excuses and to water our doubt. That's what he comes to do, is to tell you why God didn't, he didn't really say that, did he? 
He didn't merely make no promises to you. He's just trying to hide something from you. God, you can't, God can't be trusted. Don't listen to God. You tried that. didn't work. Look at all the excuses you got. Don't even try to do nothing for God. Just, man, going, just, just going on Sunday, man, you're just blessing those people by showing up with your good looks. You don't have to do nothing. I mean, you're cool. In 1 Samuel 17, 33, when David was trying to talk King Saul into letting him go fight Goliath, Saul said to David, you are not able. I believe that's the devil's favorite verse. He would like to tell all of us, you're not able, you're not worthy, you don't have what it takes. Let somebody else do it. But God says only believe. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Do you have a little word that they, they use in the Bible called faith? Do you have a, a faith that will put some works behind it to prove that it is a legitimate live faith? Don't throw in the towel. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what your doctor's saying. I don't care what your bank's saying. I don't care what your, your, your aching joints is saying. I don't care what your neighbors are saying. I don't care what your parents are saying. What is God saying? If you throw in the towel, I tell you what's going to happen. God's going to pick it up and throw it back at you. When you said, I do to God, it was forever. When you made him Lord, he's Lord. Only believe. It is your Christian duty to keep fighting. Trust him. God sees the real you even if you don't. Even if you don't see who you're supposed to be, you can't believe who you're supposed to be. You need to be forming that mental picture of what God says about you. Because God sees the end from the beginning and he is well able to bring it to pass. Maybe you're not able, but God is well able to bring it to pass. Did he not kill the giant for David? Did Moses not bring him across the Red Sea? Jesus chose 12 raggedy disciples. Raggedy. He didn't go to the palaces. He didn't go to the government. He went down there where they were fishing, planting, farming, and got a tax collector thrown in on the mix just for good measure. Bunch of cussing fellas, rough fellas, didn't have their act all together. He said, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you how I can turn the world upside down in three years with 12 raggedy fellas. And one of them's a traitor. Watch what I can do even when there's a traitor in my midst. The only way we fail 
as individuals to reach our calling as if we quit. And the only way we fail as a church is if we quit. God is speaking. He has spoken. Only believe. Why did God choose Israel? Deuteronomy 7, 7 said, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply because the Lord loves you. God loves you. And he is keeping the oath that he had sworn to our ancestors. This is Old Testament. Now we're part of a better oath. We're part of a blood covenant. If he, if he gave us his, freely gave up his own son for us, will he not with him give us everything else that we need? If he gave his very best and he, he entered, we entered into a blood covenant, the covenant of his own son's blood, was he not serious? about what he, what he wants for our life. Was he not serious? Was he just, I was just, ah, I mean. How many of you are still sitting out there thinking, after all these examples, after this word of God, preaching, saying, ah, yeah, somebody will get this, somebody will do great things. I don't see me ever doing anything, but I wish it was for me. I wish this message were for me. How many messages has I, have I said, if you can see it, you can be it? He told Abraham, if you, as far as you can see, you can have. As far as you can see. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Let the glory of the Lord come in. And see what God has for your life. Remember, you didn't get saved by being a good person. You don't accomplish your calling by being a good person. It is trusting in the Lord. That is all. Our duty is to love God and to trust Him. And to be obedient. And He will get you there. It's God in you, the hope of glory. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. We need to get in the Spirit. Because that's where Jesus is. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because He sent His Spirit so that we may be where He is right now. Not on the sweet by and by. He's in the Spirit. God is Spirit, and He sent His Spirit into us. He says, I'm preparing a place for you. we got to get in the Spirit and get out of the natural way of thinking because in the Spirit all things are possible to him that believes. That's for free. You know, Jesus came as an underdog. He was born in Nazareth. 
the sand back in the day was this little raggedy town had a bad reputation for being poor and slums and nothing good there. The sand was, can any good thing come from Nazareth? That's where Jesus lived and grew up. He didn't come born into royalty. He came and couldn't even find room to be born on the earth he created. He, the Bible says that Jesus was not even attractive. Now that's going to ruin some of your theology right there, I know. Because y'all have seen too many movies with his chiseled jaws and wavy hair and the one movie with the guy had blue eyes that never blinked. <laughs> some of y'all have seen movies about Jesus and y'all think, man, he, oh, he's so beautiful. He is so gorgeous. But let me tell you what the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 2. It says, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He didn't come to be better than us. He came to be one of us. He didn't want supernatural advantages. He operated, his power came from trusting the Holy Spirit just the same way you can. He laid down his glory and became us. He suffered for us. He died for us. And he knows what we're going through. He, he wanted to set the example of how we could live on the earth. How that we could go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And setting the captives free and opening the eyes of the blind. Are you seeing? We don't look at Jesus and say, but that was Jesus. He operated the same way we can operate. We have the same abilities. He sent his disciples out and gave them power to do the same things he did. And he gave us a great commission where he says, you go. He says, these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When Jesus was in the garden, he was in agony because he knew what was about to happen to him. It says he sweat as it were great drops of blood. I mean, blood was literally coming out of the pores of his skin because Tremendous agony of thinking about what he was about to endure. Now, let's just, uh, that's easy to hear because you heard it before. It's just old news, right? But let's just close your eyes for a moment and imagine after this service, there's going to come, come in some men that are exceptionally cruel and evil and have made their living and get their jollies out of hurting people. Finding new ways to torture and to make it last. And those were the people that he was about to turn himself over to. So it's not just a little light thing that Jesus in his humanity, a fully God and fully man, was sweating great drops. He was trying to, so he went to the garden to cast his cares over on the Father, you see. What did Jesus need to do in the garden, I was thinking? 
He needed to confirm the same things that we need to confirm. That God is with me and that I am in God's will. He said, Father, if there be another way, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because I am here to do thy will, O God. I am here to do your will. And if I know these two things, if I know it's you and I know it's your will, I will, I will be able to do it. And that's the thing we got to settle in our heart. Is God with you? Does he love his children? And what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for this church? If it takes suffering to accomplish it, he said it, our king was made perfect through the suffering that he endured. We have to look at the tough stuff that we're going through differently. It's making us the big people on the inside that are going to accomplish this. Do you understand that? And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And he was able to sit down at the right hand of God. And our part is the, the, the part right before there where it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He wrote the story, and he will bring it to pass. And it may not look like it at times. It may look like, boy, we've gone on a rabbit trail here. God called me this, and I'm way over here. But God's going to bring you back. God's bringing us all home. God, is, God has a plan. Now, we get in there and twist it up, and we... We, we don't get with the plan. But God is gathering his chicks today. He said, oh, how I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers his chicks under his wing. Oh, I'm here to stir you up, my, my boys and girls. My little Isabellas. I'm here to put a dance in your step. I'm here to put joy back in your heart because I have not fallen off the throne and I have not forgotten the plans for this church. And I'm just here to stir you up today to remind you whose you are, that I am with you, and this is still my will. Praise God forevermore. There was a farmer who had a sign out in front of his place that said, Labrador puppies for sale. And the little male boy was riding his bicycle throwing papers. And he saw that sign, got all excited. He threw his bike down and went up to the house. About that time, the farmer came around from back. He said, sir, you got Labrador puppies for sale? How much are they? The farmer says, $25 a piece. And the little boy's, oh. Well... Could I look at them anyway? About that time, the farmer said, here come mama, pup, mama dog with four puppies. Beautiful Labrador puppies. And he kneeled down and he's playing with the puppies. And then about that time, he looked up and a fifth puppy come around the corner. And it, it was dragging its back hip. Leg. He said, oh, 
And the farmer says, yeah, I took him to the vet. They say he's missing a hip socket. He'll never be normal. I don't guess he's going to be any good. I don't know. We're trying to figure out what to do with him. And the little boy says, sir, I got a quarter. And I know that's, that's not much, but if, if you would let me have that little puppy, I'll give you my quarter, and I'll give you a quarter every week. Every week until, until I pay off every cent that I can to get that little puppy. Please, sir, please, sir, if, especially if you're not going to do anything with him, please let me buy him. And the farmer says, you don't want that puppy. That puppy's no good. He's not going to do anything. He's never going to be able to walk. He's never going to be able to run and play and catch frisbees and swim and all the things that you want a, a regular puppy to do. He's the runt of the litter. He's no good. Sir, son, you don't want to pay for that. He said, but, but sir, let me show you something. He lifted up his pants legs and showed the man he was wearing braces on his legs. He identified with that little puppy. And that's what our Lord came to do, to identify with us. He became one of us. He knows our limits and our weaknesses and, our, and how broke down we are and how the world says we're no good and we'll never accomplish nothing. He knows we're an island of misfit toys in this little church. He knows all of that. But he came to redeem us. He came to buy us back from what the devil has been saying to us. To set us free from the words of the enemy. And all this spiritual warfare that is trying to hinder us and make us settle. And he's saying you can do it. All things are possible. Stand to your feet. We're going to make a, a powerful confession of our faith right now. Say with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thanks be unto God, which gives me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm more than an overcomer in him who loves me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let us get a hold of these truths, Father. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We've made a fresh declaration from the bottom of our hearts. Not that we are anything, but you in us is the victory. We will continue to serve you. We will continue to give selflessly of ourselves, of our resources, of our time. We will continue to build the wall. We will continue to build the kingdom of heaven. We will continue to invite people to church to tell the glorious gospel to our friends and family and whoever we come across. We will be instant in season and out of season, always having a, a desire to tell the hope that we have found in Jesus. Father, we will do everything you've called us to do. No matter where we've been, we forget the past. 
This one thing we do is forgetting the things that be behind us, and we press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We will accomplish. We will do. We will see good days. We will bring it to pass. We will run this race, and we will finish our course in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Woo, thank you, Jesus. We're going to get somebody to come up here and take up. Not We already took up Dalvin. I'm drunk in the spirit. We're going to get somebody to come up here and do the, the announcements. Thank you. Hallelujah. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.